Welcome back to the Vetted VA, your journey home podcast. Get ready for an in-depth exploration of a topic that often leaves borrowers scratching their heads. It's discount points. Join us tonight as we unravel the mystery behind these valuable tools and how they can impact your home financing journey. In this episode, we've got a fantastic panel of experts, vetted VA professionals, to guide you through the intricacies of discount points. Here's a sneak peek at what we'll be covering. What exactly are discount points and how do they work? The cost of discount points and how they affect your interest rate. When and why lenders charge discount points the benefits and drawbacks of permanent versus temporary buy-downs, and the point of diminishing return, finding that sweet spot for your unique situation. Let's get started and not delay any longer. If you've got any questions, please let us know either on our Facebook page at VetaVA or even through email info at VetaVA.com. We're happy to help you. Let's go. Welcome to the VetaVA podcast. My name is Nathan Nottingham, joined by my co-host and partner, Christopher Griffith where we're going to talk about all things VA home loan benefit. Where we take a few minutes to teach, train, and educate you on the factors that should inform some of the biggest choices you'll ever make. So we are going to be talking tonight about a very important topic, discount points. Um, They're misunderstood. They can be confusing for borrowers. Um, What are they? What do they cost? When are they charged? What can you do with them? Are there limits? We're going to go through all of that. So we've got a great team here with us. On the top row with me, we have Michelle Dugan. And Michelle, you are in Mississippi. Is that where you're located? That's right. Madison, Mississippi. Perfect. And we've got Randy Tickel, who's here with us regularly from Salina, Texas. And then another Californian, Tina Brumont, here with me. Uh, And you're in Ventura, Tina? Tina? Ventura County. All right, perfect. So let's just jump right into it. And for you you guys watching at home, we're covering the topic of discount points tonight, but the most important thing that we can do for you guys is just answer questions. So any question that you have that you would ask out in the forum, in the group, and get a text answer, if you would like us to go through it tonight, feel free to throw it up in the chat. As soon as we get in an appropriate spot, we'll pop those up on the screen here and get you the answers that you're looking for. So with that, Michelle, you want to kick us off with just a broad overview of what discount points are? Yes. So discount points are going to be a percentage of your loan amount that you can pay at closing in advance to basically buy down your interest rate and have a lower interest rate. Um, You can also, um, well, that's a whole different comment topic, I guess, as far as lender credits and how all that works with interest rates. But um, so discount points are something that you can use to lower your payment or it might help you qualify for your loan. Um, You know, there's a lot of different reasons they're tax deductible, but um, but yeah, it's going to be a percentage of your loan amount that's going to buy your interest rate down and give you a lower payment. Perfect. So the number one question that I always get when you say, okay, well, here is your option with points with a point. Um, what does a, a point cost? Tina, you want to, I, we talked about Michelle, you said it's a percentage of the loan amount, but let's go through it slowly and in detail, not because our audience is not smart, just because it is something confusing for people who are not doing loans every day. Yeah. And you know what else? Sometimes I think hearing the same question answered from multiple people, and it gives lots of different people a different way to understand it. You know, it's like not everybody learns the same way. So I think that's fine. Um, I would describe discount points to be prepaid interest that you're prepaying on that loan in order to obtain a lower interest rate. 
And how I tend to describe it with my clients is, say for instance, and I use this analogy, and I don't know if it's a good analogy or not. So you guys let me know. Hopefully people comment and say, Tina, come up with a different one. But I like to say like interest rates are on rungs like a ladder. And if you imagine that ladder in a swimming pool and the level of the water is called par, that means there is no cost and there is no credit for those for that interest rate. And as you push that interest rate down, you are paying discount points in order to go under what the market level or the water level is. A different but similar conversation is what happens if there are lender credits? That would be if you go up in the air above the, the watermark and you start taking a credit, which is the inverse of what we're talking about today. So today we're talking about discount points, which is to push your interest rate lower than the water level, which means normal, lower than par, lower than the point where there is no cost and no points. And the amount that you pay is 1% of the loan amount. And that buys you a reduction of those tiers. And it's the equivalent of 1% of your loan amount. And I think part of what throws people off is a lot of times we'll send a number and say, okay, at six and a half today, you would pay three eighths of a point. Do you, you want to explain, Randy, why that is, why it's not always that exact one point or a half point that's a little bit easier for a borrower to understand? Sometimes they're seeing these crazy weird numbers that it takes to get to a certain interest rate. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, I mean, I really like what Tina did with the pool there, but but obviously the pool isn't always exactly the, the, the right level depending on your credit score because basically, and we I don't want to go too deep in the woods, but... Uh, uh, mortgage-backed securities is where all pricing is, generates from, and obviously that's Wall Street and everything that goes with that. Um, but, but particular lenders have a um, uh, you know a secondary desk that that is translating all the Wall Street stuff into actual pricing, and and they typically do it for VA loans on a based on a 680 FICO score. So. On that particular day, there's probably a par rate if you have a 680. But if we're dealing with someone that that has a, a you know lower FICO score than that, or a high or a higher FICO score than that, then the level of the water is going to vary a little bit for for those people. And and that's where we come out with with the things where that there's not exactly there's not always a par rate for you, which doesn't cost you anything and doesn't pay you anything. There's there's because of your individual circumstances and your individual uh, loan to value, your individual FICO scores, uh, loan amounts, et cetera, um, it, it's going to vary a little bit. Does that answer that? Absolutely. And, and I think that's a really important point. There's a, there's a couple of things kind of behind what, what each of you said there. I have a feeling and when talking to borrowers a lot of the time that they feel like there is a single rate sheet and or a single rate each day. So not only do rates and discount points vary from lender to lender, they vary from borrower to borrower, not in the sense that the lender is looking and saying, well, I like Michelle and I don't like Randy, so Michelle's going to get better terms. It's 
Michelle might have an 800 credit score and Randy has a 580. They're going to get vastly different quotes. The same interest rate is going to require different discount points. So that I think it's just really important for people to remember. We'll get into this a little bit more in a little bit, but when you're shopping around and comparing, it's really important that every lender you're talking to is asking the right questions, fully understanding your situation so that they can accurately quote you. So we're going to kind of go through some of the pitfalls and tips and tricks to make sure you're getting an accurate answer with that. Um, Michelle, circling back, you kind of started on this of explaining Generally, when we talk about discount points, we're talking about buying down an interest rate and we're talking about doing it permanently. Before we talk about the potential for using points or a charge to do a temporary buy down, which has been super popular over the last couple of years, 1-0 buy down, a 2-1 buy down. Why don't you explain that concept of the permanent buy down and why a permanent buy down um, can be more beneficial than a temporary buy down for, for borrowers? Sure. So a permanent buy down, it's going to buy your interest rate down for the the entire term of your loan. So if you you know decide to pay one discount point and it's going to lower your interest rate by a quarter of a point, it's going to be that way. It's going to be set for the life of that loan. Um, you know, obviously with a temporary buy down that we're seeing a lot of right now, you may have a one-year buy down where it's 1% lower for the first year, and then it steps up to what your actual interest rate is going to be. Um, with the permanent buy downs, one of the things that, and I think we actually maybe get into this more in a minute, but one of the things that you always want to look at though, because you can pay massive amount of points, um, but you always want to make sure that you're going to actually get the value out of that, that you're going to break even, that you're not going to be paying too much in discount points because it may look good on paper and you love what this payment is. But if you're spending too much to buy that rate down, then when interest rates do fall in the future, it may not make sense for you to refinance then. You may not stay in the home long enough for those discount points to make sense. So there's a lot of things that you do want to definitely cover with your lender to make sure that you're getting the best loan for you because it's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, in theory though, if you, you know, you decide that you want to pay a bunch of discount points and get that lower rate and you know that you're never moving and you don't think that interest rates are ever going to fall and you're never going to refinance, then you would want to pay some discount points and get that lower payment. But if you might be moving or getting PCS somewhere in two or three years, you know, it may not make sense if you're going to be selling that property. So it's always something that you want to talk about with your loan officer and look at all of the options there. Perfect. And, and Tina, how does that contrast maybe go in a little more detail on that temporary buy down? So the permanent is awesome. Just exactly as we describe it, you're getting the benefit of that for as long as you have the loan. Could be as long as you own the home, but at least as long as you have that loan. The temporary buy downs give you bigger payment relief. But what are what are some of the reasons why you might look to using your discount points to pay for a, perma, a temporary buy down versus permanent? Yeah, <clears throat> so I'm going to put on the table also that we should talk about first of all a point of diminishing return, right? That's really a good way to describe what you're trying to find on a chart. And I kind of wish we had a, a copy of a chart, a pricing chart that we can show people. Because like we were saying that when you pay points and you buy down your interest rate, 
at some point, really pushing down your interest rate gets quite expensive and you lower it less for a higher cost, right? You, be, you can see on a chart with your eyes, this is my point of diminishing return. I'm paying way too much for this discount. You're also going to divide your payback period to figure out when you think you're going to break even so that you can say, okay, on the positive, a permanent rate buy down gives you certainty and kind of a hedge against the bet of, I don't know when this interest rate market is going to turn around. I don't know when rates are going to start getting relief. A, a permanent buy down kind of takes that worry away. You don't have to worry about it. It's for the life of the loan. Another benefit is that you qualify off of that permanent lower interest rate. So it can help you qualify for more. On the other hand, like Josh, you mentioned, on a temporary buy-down, you might be enticed by like, oh, wow, in, if I do a 2-1 buy-down that, that first year, that first 12 months, man, I've seen them like $800 difference or $1,300 difference in some of the payments on properties here in California. But man, if we don't know, if something happens out of our control, if rates stay high, that could be a really big interest rate or a big payment wallop in your in month 13. And when you think about it, 13 months goes by pretty quick. So that's a little less secure. It's still a discount. And really, when, when buyers are deciding between a permanent buy-down or a temporary buy-down, they should know that in the analysis I've done, the cost to the seller is the same. We're just applying it differently. And that's just giving the buyer the chance to customize that discount in a way that makes most sense for their particular situation. It wouldn't make sense necessarily given like we don't know where interest rates are going to be. But if someone was only planning on living in a house for 12 or 24 months or whatever, a short period of time, you may not want to do a permanent buy down because you're going to leave money on the table where you haven't consumed that discount yet. Um, so that's those are my thoughts about that. That, that's an important distinction there because when, when we're going through this, when I prep for the show every week and think of the questions we want to go through, topic tonight is discount points. Discount points are not unique to VA loans. Every type of loan, you can pay yeah. discount points. But I always like to think in the context of this, how is this different for veterans? How do veterans need to look at it differently? Um, one piece that, that came to me, and, and Randy, when you were on a few weeks ago, we kind of talked about this. Many loan types, I have a loan right now that is a conventional loan, well-qualified borrower. We can get them approved up to a 49.99 DTI. If we go above that, they don't qualify. So we have to do a permanent buy-down to get that down. Do you want to talk a little bit, Randy, about how VA is a little bit different? We're in with a well-qualified borrower, how we don't have that same hard and fast wall that we, we might hit where you're kind of forced to buy your rate down on a permanent basis? Right. And that's a big consideration. I think the, the the big thing is that any other loan type besides VA uses actual debt to income and, and has maximum guidelines, et cetera, that, that go along with that. And, and specifically, the, the automated underwriting is programmed to only take you to a certain point. Uh, the, the VA loan's not that way in that it uses residual income 
uh, in the automated underwriting and what residual income is, is all the, how much money do you have after all the uh, debts and childcare, et cetera, is allowed for, including maintenance of the house at 14 cents a foot, which is kind of crazy, but it's still the same number. Um, and, uh, and so that number can be a, a lot, uh, translate to a much higher DTI. The highest I've ever had that was approved by the underwriting engine was 84%. Uh, DTI that would never fly on any other loan type, but it, it definitely flew. And I closed that loan at 84% DTI. Um, it, just as an aside, it, it was a really strong loan and the guy made crazy money, but he also had other money that he didn't care to bring into the equation. Just didn't want to unpack the self-employment side work, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but the bottom line is that you could never do that um, on a, um, any other loan type and permanent buy down is something that is definitely factored in to the DTI, whereas a temporary buy down is not. I, I think another way that this varies for at least active duty uh, borrowers, our active duty borrowers are probably moving more frequently and, and less based off of their own decision than let's say someone who's who's retired, a 65 year old, probably gonna be in that home a little bit longer or someone out of the service and went back to their hometown and is gonna put down roots there forever. When we look at that, it's a little more realistic for that person to say, hey, I'm not going anywhere for five years, seven years, 10 years, and at least have that longer window. If you're active duty and you don't know, you think I'm going to be here for two, three, five years, but you're not 100% positive, to me, it makes it a little bit riskier in terms of paying a sunk cost in the form of these discount points to get a lower rate that it requires a, a period of time to get back to. Um, I think that kind of leads us to a good point. I think it'd be kind of good to go around the horn and just hear from, from each of you how you walk borrowers through that. So Michelle, when you're talking to someone, you say, we have options. Here's option A, which is that par rate. We got option B, uh, you're going to pay a point to get it. How do you walk someone through what that looks like and, and what are the things that they need to determine to decide which option is best for them? So for my borrowers, what I'm typically going to do is First of all, I'm going to ask them several pointed questions to figure out what their goals are. How long do you think that you're going to stay in this home? Are you more concerned with having a lower payment or having lower out-of-pocket closing costs? You know, different questions like that to help see kind of what their thoughts are on the whole purchase process in general and how long they're planning on staying there, et cetera. And then I'm going to send them over three different options at, at minimum. Um, I don't ever want to overwhelm them, but I want them to know that they've got options. And I'll show them what the PAR looks like. I'll show them what it looks like with discount points. And then I'll show them what it looks like to take a little bit higher rate and have a lender credit. And I'll explain, you know, the pros and cons of all of them and break it down so that they kind of understand what they're looking at. Because if you're not familiar with discount points, you're not familiar with the options, it can get really overwhelming when you're trying to compare all of them. But um, I think having those pros and cons listed out for you, you know, pros of, you know, paying down the discount points is having the lower payment, being able to qualify with a lower payment. <laughs> 
Um, cons there would be that it's going to be a higher cost out of pocket that, you know, whenever interest rates come down, it may not make sense to refinance for a while. Um, so there's, you know, I always like to just kind of show them all of those different options so that so that they know, you know, um, I think there's a lot of people out there that'll just throw it at them and say, hey, this is your rate. This is what you get. But it really, and, you know, I think it really takes knowing what the borrower is looking for most, you know, because one borrower may want the absolute lowest payment that they can get. Another borrower, you know, may want the absolute lowest out of pocket as far as closing cost. Um, so, yeah, so we go over, I'll kind of show them all of that. And then I'll also show it to them up front just so that they know kind of what they need to be looking at if they want to ask for seller concessions, which we'll get to um, and how that impacts things. But then they know, um, you know, how much they want to try to ask for based on what their goals are as far as their interest rate, their discount points, their closing costs. Perfect. Tina, how does that compare with your conversations with your borrowers? Yeah, similar in that it's goal oriented. And I think one question that some people might have if they're listening is also like, um, to me, what seller concessions can do also is sometimes you go out shopping for a home and you're given a max purchase price and you have an estimated cash to close. You know how much you're going to, the loan's going to cost you and it's going to cost for closing costs. But then the reality of, okay, you found the home, you wrote the offer, you're structuring the loan, and you have the opportunity for seller concessions. Well, one way to approach it might be just to keep the amount of money, you, even though it's a VA loan and you did not have to put anything down, sometimes people in a VA loan are rolling equity from another house or they're wanting to put some amount down. But once they get to actually buying the exact house, maybe they find that the bathrooms could use to be updated or there's some personalization wants. I could, it could use a coat of paint. It doesn't need it, but I'd like to paint it light purple because that's my favorite color. I'd like to personalize a couple things. Sometimes what those seller concessions can mean for a buyer also are that they can retain a little extra cash back that they would have had to have sunk into the home loan um, for closing costs or whatever. And it allows them to either start with a little bit more of a nest egg. Maybe they don't have to burn through all of their savings and they've got a little set aside now or they've got some money to use to improve the home because they wanted to personalize it. So I think those are some other benefits that I talk to my borrowers about because like Michelle said, it is very personal. It's going to depend on are they planning on keeping the home long term and turning it into a rental after they're leaving in three years or something. I don't know. You talk through all of this. And I know that the three of us or four of us, we all work as a true fiduciary where we're looking out for the long term costs to the borrower. We're not here just to structure or sell them one loan. And sometimes the assessment on how much in points or seller concessions and how to best apply them does take this secondary level bit of advice in order to not either waste the money by paying down points that you're not going to use or consume or some other misstep where maybe you could have made better use of those dollars. I, I think like hearing what you guys are saying, that that upfront 
conversation with the borrower is essential to find out what it matters to them and what is most important, what their hot button is. But what I will say is this has gotten harder for both us and the borrower over the last two years because we had a 40-year bull market in interest rates from 1982 through 2022. Rates didn't go directly down. There were times where rates backed up and got worse. But for the most part, we could say, look forward three years, rates will be lower than where they are today. So it's very easy to tell a borrower, please don't pay points because we're going to get that rate for you in the future without having to pay for it, especially with a VA loan where you can do an EARL with no appraisal. You don't have to income qualify. We don't have any of the worries. All you got to do is make your payments on time. And if rates improve, we're going to get the advantage of that. Now, you know, in the middle of 2022, when rates first jumped up to 5%, everyone said, hey, still do a zero point in 12 months when rates go back down, we're going to come back and, and refinance that. And we've all learned the hard way. There are no crystal balls. We don't know exactly when or how much rates are going to come back down. So there's, there is uncertainty. We can ask our clients, what do you think about you and your life situation? But there's variables out there that became very predictable over 40 years that are no longer as predictable. We all still do believe that rates will normalize somewhere below where they are today. The giant question is, do we know that for certain? No. And when is that going to happen? And how much are rates going to normalize? So you as a borrower have a much harder decision to make right now in deciding how to allocate these. I would say literally for 40 years, unless you absolutely positively had to do it to qualify, paying points to buy down a rate was a bad decision. That may or may not be the case today, and there's no way to say, and no one can tell you that. It really is your personal decision. Um, with that, Randy, listening to Michelle and Tina, is that pretty similar to your conversation? Any any different direction that you go with your clients? No, that's exactly my, my biggest thing with ideally in every client's case is to, to book a 45-minute appointment and really understand what their circumstances are and what their goals are. Uh, before we ever start an application itself, as far as formally, and and that's the biggest point is you know what are your goals? How long are you going to stay in the property? What's your horizon? Uh, what are you going to do with the property ultimately? Um, you know, what's your family size? Are you growing? Is it you know all those sort of things come into play in the discussion, just like they do in the the person's real life, as far as that piece goes, and then. And obviously, those are di different conversations with folks that are re retired versus folks that are still active duty, et cetera. That, that may be how long do you anticipate being there? And then what do you think you're going to do when you leave it? Because you still have the horizon that comes into play. And then you take that and you and, and you explain the, the difference in a permanent buy down. And I always try to explain that with um, a, a conversation that goes like if it's $3,000 to buy the rate down, and it gives you a hundred dollars a month benefit. You you don't really make any money on that. You don't benefit from it till that thirty first month. You could have just kept the money in your pocket and added a hundred bucks every month for the first thirty months. On that thirty first month, if you've got a permanent buy down, that's when you start making money. So that's really important. Why we have to understand what your horizon is and what you're going to be, how long you're going to be in that note, etc. So those are really the things that, that I try to understand, you know, it, it, is the family size going to grow? Is it, uh, um, you know, are you going to be mobile? Are you upwardly mobile in your career? Um, you think you're going to make more money later? You know, those sort of things come into play when you're, when you're talking about discounts. 
Randy, you just gave a partial answer or an answer to this question. I kind of want to get Michelle and, and, and Tina's opinion on this also. We have uh, a viewer says, what is the amount of time you look at for the recapture of savings and payment versus liquidating assets for, for buying down a rate? So you kind of walk through how, how you quantify that. What, what's the cost of the discount points? What's the monthly savings? Um, pretty simple to calculate a break even on that. But then we got to kind of relate it back to borrower's thoughts and expectations on where they're going to be. Michelle, is that any different than, than how you like to look at the numbers and present them to your clients? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to, you know, just like we've all talked about, you know, everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different. But one thing that I do let them know when they're looking at paying down discount or, you know, paying discount points to buy down the rate <laughs> is that the average mortgage is only kept for about three to five years right now. So whether somebody moves, whether they refinance, they want to do a cash out, they go to a lower rate, you know, there's just a lot of different reasons why that is. But if you're looking at discount, paying discount points, and it's going to take you seven years to break even on that, honestly, like it's really not going to make sense looking at historical data because you're probably not going to keep the mortgage that long. So I do like to let them know that so that they can have an understanding of whether this is going to make sense to pay them or not. Um, I think in the past there was this idea that if you paid 1%, you know, on if you I guess had a 1% discount and then it was going to buy down your interest rate by a quarter. So if you paid two discount points, then it bought your interest rate down a half of a point. That's honestly, it's just not the case. Um, just like Tina talked about earlier, you've got your par rate and then every lender is going to have a different rate sheet. They're all going to be fairly similar, but they're going to all have different rate sheets. So there may be a break in there where you can pay a half a point and it buys your interest rate down a full point. Um, you know, and when you look at the break even on that, it may only take nine months sometimes. So it really does take diving in and looking at these numbers. But if it's going to take my borrowers, you know, honestly, if my borrowers, it's going to take them over three years, then we're going to have some, you know, in-depth conversations about what, you know, hey, that's great that you want to do this. You tell me your thoughts. Like, this is what the market has shown. This is what the numbers look like. This is, you know, and then I like to hear what they think and why, you know, what their reasoning is behind it. Because some simply just, you know, they don't, they either don't know or they have a very pointed reason as to why they want to pay those discount points. But I like to walk it through them and, you know, kind of help educate, you know, and show you that you may not have this loan that long. You know, it's easy to look at it and be like, it's a 30 year loan. I'm going to have this loan for 30 years. In real reality, like realistically, you're just not. Most likely. I think, yeah, I think you brought up a really good and very important point that for anyone watching at home, if you're not a mortgage professional, you would have no reason to know this. But that standard rate sheet that we're used to in normal times where we don't have a lot of volatility, rates don't spike, that's a pretty solid rule of thumb. One point is going to get you a quarter percent. If you want to go down a half percent, it's going to be two points. As Tina said earlier, you get these diminishing returns. If you want to go three quarters lower, it starts getting more and more expensive. But rate sheets are wacky. Like today, lenders do not want to pay up for higher rates. So if you are looking for a big lender credit, they're really hard to get. If you have worse credit where there's like a, an LLPA, a lender a loan level price adjustment for a lower credit score, it could eat up the ability to do that. But there are times when you look down and you're like, 
it's three quarters of a point to drop the rate a half of a percent and the break even is 18 months. Of course. I mean, if you do it and you end up refinancing in 12 months, are you really going to be mad? I mean, you've got the insurance of 30 years of this great rate. Cool. I was able to do an Earl and save even more money, but it is very, very important that the mortgage professional that you're looking at knows how to read a rate sheet and actually look at it and doesn't just price in and go, I like to do zero point loans. Let's see where zero point rates are. Because on any given day, there may be a huge incentive to pay just a little bit to get a lower rate because that's what lenders want right now. And the primary reason for that is they're worried that the higher the interest rate is, the less time they're going to have that on their books. So they would rather you pay them some money up front, get a, a more attractive rate that they can count on having a little bit longer because they're in the same position that the four of us are, that every borrower in the market is right now that we don't know what comes next. So they're trying to say, how can we incentivize people to do things that will keep these books, these loans on the books as long as possible? So I think we've done a pretty good job of covering what they are, how you use them. I have um, a point we'll, to make, if you don't mind, yeah, really quick, absolutely. if we can kind of shift shift to a little bit different direction because I think this is a good conversation in the current market. You know, I'm in California and what we've been talking about tonight as a group is making an assumption that the discount points are going to be paid for the buyer or the seller for the buyer's benefit. But I kind of want to have a, a more elaborate conversation because there may be some veteran or active duty homeowners in here and they are thinking of listing or selling their home. And in some markets, some some houses are sitting there for a while. And instead of from the seller's perspective, lowering your home price, what I'm seeing in my market is I'm working with a lot of listing agents. So the seller's agent representative and advising them on how to market a buy down specific for the loan for a VA or whatever in order to entice or attract additional buyers because some properties in some markets are starting to sit. So I at least wanted to hear from you guys also if you're advising listing agents or if there's any veteran or active duty vetted VA landlords or property owners that have been investing in investment properties and are ready to sell. If they've been having something sit, maybe they have questions about this too, but that's a good tool right now that some listing agents are using. Well, why don't, why don't we look at it from the flip side? I'd like to ask each of the three of you, how do you advise someone? Occasionally I will get a borrower, veteran, non-veteran will come in and say, we found a home and they're willing to pay $10,000 in discount points. They'll give me a $10,000 credit. How low can we get my interest rate? Randy, what else can we possibly do with that $10,000? And how would you walk your client through all of the options of allocating that $10,000 and help them determine what would be most beneficial? Yeah, and obviously the, the biggest piece on that is if, just, if they're only giving you $10,000, then we're going to take that. I would take it first to closing costs and escrow build personally, just because in Texas particularly, and it may not be the same in other states, obviously, because you guys have different cash out laws, et cetera. But in Texas, you can't take a penny out of your property without leaving 20% equity in it. And so for me, it doesn't make any sense to me to 
have you put more cash into the closing than you have to, period, because you're not going to be able to get it out. You're not going to be able to do a, a cash out refinance down the road until you get all the way to 20% plus equity. So so for me, I, I definitely would take that 10000 first and pay off your closing costs, et cetera. And then I, I even would lean, depending on how much you need, uh, sometimes to paying off some debt with it, which we can do that. Um, and and sometimes, you know, if you've got something that's going to knock off a $500 payment uh, with, with part of that, it, it may be more impactful to your short term than it is by using it to pay points. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we, those, that is a very important point. So you could use it to buy down the interest rate, which would add to your closing costs. We just added $10,000 of costs, didn't right. get in for any less, but we have a lower interest rate. We can use it to cover your closing costs, depending on the purchase price, where you're located in the country. 10,000 might be enough to cover all of your closing costs with a VA, no down. You might get it with no money out, out of pocket. And if it exceeds it, VA also very unique in that you can pay off debt. You can use it for things that we cannot use for any other loan. A point that I always like to make to borrowers is if they're willing to give you $10,000, most, but not all sellers would also be willing to give you the house for $10,000 less. All, all of those are good options. One of the things that uh, sometimes I think people are disappointed to find, even with rates high as they are, at a 6.5% interest rate, $1,000 of mortgage only costs you $6.29. So in that situation, if we say, hey, cool, you can get the house for $10,000 less, it's great because you owe less on the home. You're $10,000 closer to paying it off, but we only saved $62 on the monthly payment. It wasn't a, a huge difference. But those, those are kind of the three things that, that I like to go through um, because one of the things that's interesting working with borrowers, never try to think for them because we don't know. We don't know what they value. I, I've told some people, hey, it's only 62 bucks. There, I don't care. That's a magical $62. That's what I value. So it's important for us to not think for you. And it's important for you as a borrower to be working with someone who is not thinking for you and is presenting all those options so you can figure out what the, the best decision is for you. So sort of along those lines and continuing that discussion, um, we're going to get back to you, Randy, because you have a really good example of this. But what we find is we know in the veteran space, there are one to three really big call center operations throughout the country. They generally don't go about it this way. They like to say, here's your interest rate. And it's just that's that's what they're quoting that day. And you have to pull out of them. Well, what are my options? How do I, I work through it? How is that what what you guys are often seeing, not just with the big call centers, but with other competition where someone will come to you and just say, well, this is what it is. And here's what my interest rate is. And it may involve paying the points or or, or not paying the points. Randy, you're saying yes. Well, why don't we just jump into the example that you had for us earlier? Yeah, I actually had one that uh, we actually just closed on Friday, but it, it was a, an instance where that they were dealing with the credit union and the credit union was giving them what they thought was a, was a great rate, um, but they didn't give them a typical loan estimate. They gave them a fee sheet, which, you know, on a typical loan estimate, you've got a section A where all your discounts, et cetera, are all right there gathered together. But on this particular fee sheet, they, they had stuck at the bottom, they had three points in if borrowers will pay is how they had it labeled. But the rate that she had given the, the person was based on those three discount points plus a uh, an origination point and 
um, a uh, like four different charges for like loan boarding and um, processing and underwriting. You know, so there was all these things that when you really look at those and 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 if you know, don't know, you don't know. But if you look at it with me and I'm going to show you that, look, this lady's actually spending nine thousand dollars of your money to get you that seven percent interest rate. And, and mine is at six and a half and, and with none of those fees. So it's apples to apples. It's a $9,000 thing that she's doing and, and it's not in your benefit at all. But they don't tell you that. They just say, hey, well, I've got a 7% interest rate or whatever it happens to be. And, and, and in, my, in, in my experience, right, that's not uncommon. I get this all the time. We understand that consumers always want a great rate. And I'll hear, I'm getting this rate. Okay, cool. It's a good rate. How much are you paying for it? Nope. They told me it's no points. Okay. Do you have it in writing? And you get in writing, you're like, what do they call that line item right there? Those are those are points. And maybe that's an important part of this discussion. Discount points, origination fee, all of the things that Randy just listed. Michelle, where would a borrower go about finding what they are paying for an interest rate? Discount points included. So on your loan estimate, the borrower is going to want to look at box A on that loan estimate. And that's gonna break down and show you where all the different lender fees are, um, if there's any origination fees, cause those can be separate from discount points, underwriting fees, processing fees. But box A is the probably the most important box you really wanna check when you're looking at that. And then also look down at the bottom and see if there's any lender credits associated with it also, because those can be used to offset some of those expenses. Um, another thing that we're start that we're seeing a lot of is in box a um, for some builders out there right now they are saying hey we'll give you you know we'll pay twenty thousand um, dollars towards closing costs well then you get your you know you get your loan estimate from them and you see that in box a they're actually charging you fifteen thousand dollars in discount points so the twenty thousand dollars that they're giving you is actually only five thousand dollars at the end of the day but you may have a lender right down the street that can give you the same interest rate and let's say maybe it's three thousand dollars you know so but comparing that box a um, between the loan estimates is what you're really going to want to look at and really break it down and see what exactly those costs are. Is it a junk fee where it's just something that's going to the lender? It's not going to benefit you um, like a discount point would as far as buying down that interest rate and having a lower rate? Or, you know, is it origination processing, all these different things that really aren't going to help you in the end? It's just going to go in that lender's pocket. But box A is what you want to look at. And then also take into consideration any possible lender credits that could be out to the out at the side as well that are um, offsetting some of those costs. You brought up a really good point, which is one of the most mind-boggling things ever to me. When I get to see someone's loan estimate, they have this wonderful quote and they go, I'm getting this rate. I'm like, it's a really good rate. Oh, and they're giving me a big lender credit too. And you're like, okay. And you look and they're paying a bunch of fees in box A and then have a credit later on in the loan estimate. You're like, why are they charging you $8,000 to give you an $8,000 credit? Couldn't we just have an empty box A and no credit? It, it's There's a lot of smoke and mirrors and moving around. The more I have these conversations here every Tuesday, the more I realize how difficult a position it is for borrowers at home to make these comparisons. Because there are people out there who are either ignorant of how to explain things or 
they're working in a call center and they've just been told this is how we pitch it. Here's the pitch. Here's how, how we give it to you versus advising you. I tell people all the time, if someone is giving you a spectacular loan that I can't meet, I will be happy to tell you that. But let me see the loan estimate. Let me see the numbers because what you're telling me doesn't make sense. All of these loans, my loans, Michelle's, Tina's, Randy's, no matter even if we send them to four different lenders to fund that loan, they end up in a handful of servicers and a handful of pools of mortgage-backed securities, and they're worth the same amount. Yes, everyone has a different margin, overhead, profit that they want, but for the most part, there's no magic. If someone is telling you something that is way out of the range of what three or four other lenders have told you, it probably means that there's something in that loan estimate that you're not understanding. Tina, I see you shaking your head. Do you have an example of that or just some thoughts? How do you how do you walk through with a borrower how they can make sure they're doing an apples to apples comparison and ensuring they're getting a good deal, but also not getting led down the primrose path at the same time? Yeah, so it actually just came up today. And it's another sneaky area where some lenders try to get people to focus on their bottom line cash to close amount and they'll they'll short the amount of of taxes and insurance they're collecting in order to pre-fund that escrow account so or they'll short the amount of prepaid interest or they'll short a government recording fee so really the the nice thing about that standardized loan estimate is it really is is an easier way for you to do a side-by-side -side comparison because as a borrower, really what you're looking at is box A, which the lender is going to have control over. You kind of want to ignore boxes B and C because those are third-party charges that are going to be passed through at whatever they're going to be charged. So it, at, at any point in time of prior to being in escrow officially, all of us are taking a guesstimate as to what those box B and C amounts are going to be. And they're going to be dictated by the seller and their agent choosing an escrow company to work with. So when you're looking at a loan estimate and you're focusing on page two, where I tell my borrowers really to focus is top left for box A, then go straight across the right to the government recording charges and start shifting down on the right-hand side for how much is being collected for taxes and insurance, if you have impounds set up, and how much prepaid interest. Those should all be the same from loan to loan. And if those are different also, that's where you have a lender that's maybe hiding money and trying to get you to focus on page one at the bottom, your cash to close amount. Don't look at that. That's not the place to compare. But some people start with page one of the loan estimate and compare monthly payment and cash to close. And that's where they're and the interest rate. And that's where their focus is. That's not the place to focus. You get your loan estimates. Try to get them on the same day. Try to get them it, for configuring the same thing and then lay out page two side by side. And many times if they're off and you need a third loan estimate, pull a third loan estimate. And I always say, if one's an outlier from three, it's really easy to kind of visualize that. You can start seeing, oh, why is that so far off? It's kind of hard to compare just two. So I do tell people, if you're going to compare, compare three, compare well in advance. 
I do also tell people, once you make this comparison, you may not necessarily be done with your loan analysis, right? You may fall out of escrow on a house. You may have to find another property. To me, you're going to start building a gut instinct, especially when you get those first three initial quotes. People are going to explain discount points in depth or the process. And I think that 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 borrowers should start getting a good gut feel of who feels right as their lender partner, who's educated them, who's not been too pushy, who doesn't make them feel like a piece of meat, right? Like all those things are really important and kind of are all the frosting on the cake in addition to the rate and the cost and the other things. Because like we said, there may be an outlying lender that has a different loan cost, but that's not necessarily the only important thing. And talking with a trusted advisor might be something that you're deciding upon. And if for instance of that might be, you're entering into an escrow with a seller who has out front said, I want a quick close. I'm willing to accept a VA loan, but you got to close that in 20 days. I, as a wholesale broker, might have somebody that's a little bit cheaper as another lender out there, but I don't have confidence that they can close in 20 days. So there are other factors that are going into this decision besides rate and discount points and how much are you paying for this loan that go beyond even box A and how much they're, they're paying. And part of why I'm saying that is if you have a lender on purpose that's misrepresenting the fees collected for taxes and insurance, you should be smelling like poo on your shoe, right? You should be starting to say, hey, I don't know if I trust that guy anymore, right? He told me or said this to me. It's also a trust builder because what if that guy says, oh, yeah, but my rate was lower. Oh, whoops, it was just a mistake. Oh, here, I'll clean it up. You should have some hackles up because those are a little bit of like tweaky, snaky things that desperate loan officers do. And the honest ones should be upfront, transparent and clear and and taking their time to explain. And there shouldn't be mistakes up front because we take our time in that way. So that's a little longer explanation. It, it's a long explanation, but I like it. And and what I like is everyone, anyone you call should know enough about mortgages at a good general conversation. As you start working down to the specifics, one way to separate the uh, men from the boys, the ladies from the girls is to start asking specific questions about that loan estimate. Because what you're going to find, I feel bad picking on the kids in the call center. Someone's been doing a loan for 18 months and they were taught scripts of what to say on the phone. Here's your rebuttal. Here's the pitch. They're not going to be able to go through a loan estimate. They're not going to explain to you what that is. They're not going to explain to you why we're collecting money for taxes at closing, why you're paying 12 months of your insurance plus a couple of more months for the impound. Go through, ask questions. And, and where that, that leads me is, guys, we, we all get this. I don't have to ask you guys. I know we get the same thing. You talk to a borrower, we have a great conversation. You go through everything and you call back, where are we at with everything? Oh, I got a better interest rate. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as getting a better interest rate. All four of us and every other lender on the planet can quote any interest rate from 5% to 9% today. So there's no better interest rate. 
If you don't know what you're paying, leading back to today's conversation in terms of discount points, if you don't know what is in box A, you do not know if you are getting a better deal. It's combination of box A fees and interest rate. And I will say nine times out of 10, when I go back through it, I am, can never say that I'm 100% always the cheapest lender. But almost every time we go back, it's like Randy's story with the credit union. Like that's not a zero point loan. Yes, they gave you a quarter percent lower rate, but you're paying $6,000 more for the loan. You know, And it makes a $42 difference in your monthly payment. What do you value more? $42 a month or $6,000 in your bank account after closing? They don't all answer the same, but most of them say, hey, I think I'd rather have $6,000 than a $42 monthly savings. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of covering the topic here and, and helping everyone watching determine what discount points are and when they may make sense and sort of how to go through that calculation themselves. Always like to go around the horn and give everyone an opportunity to put their two cents in uh, the final word on this topic and, and anything else. So, Michelle, you got stuck on the top row here with me. So you get to kick it off with uh, your final thoughts for the night. Any tips, tricks, advice for viewers right now? Honestly, I mean, if you are in the market right now and you are buying, um, you know, just like Tina mentioned earlier, like don't don't be afraid to ask for some sellers concessions. Um, we're starting to see more and more and more of it all the time. There are certain pockets and certain markets where homes are still flying off the market, but don't don't count yourself out before you know that you have to. Um, as soon as these interest rates come down which we hope and, you know, anticipate at some point, um, the market's going to get even crazier. So if you can get a home right now and your interest rate may be a little bit higher, but you can use some seller concessions and um, buy that interest rate down, you know, that'll certainly help. But, you know, look at, make sure that you're looking at all of your options that are out there because you'd be surprised um, what people are seeing and the market is, it's really slowing down in some areas. So don't give up hope if you're still looking and don't forget to look at those box safeties and make sure that you're not getting ripped off on your mortgage. Perfect. Tina, what do you got for us? I would say kind of on the same line as Michelle is also don't let your real estate agent, your buyer's agent talk you out of requesting them. Sometimes I think that a, a buyer's agent can look at it as, oh, well, it might make our, our offer a little less attractive, right? They, they might try to discourage you a little bit from, from asking for, for discount points to be paid by the seller. That's not going to be the case in every situation. And um, I, I think that's the biggest thing is the market is changing and it's going to be individualistic to the market that you're going into. But like Michelle said, don't be afraid to ask for them. You can always take them away or things like that. And I think there are things additionally you can do to, um, to bolster the offer without having to offer more money. So like we talked about working with a mortgage broker that can really shrink down the escrow period. So even if maybe you are wanting to ask for discount points, whether they be permanent or temporary, Maybe in an effort to compensate the seller, you offer a 20-day escrow period, right? Uh, that can be a nice way to balance an ask with an offer. So I think there's opportunities in this market to get creative, and it may enable some veteran and active duty borrowers to stretch into homeownership because we have people right now that are that are asking themselves the question, 
should I buy in this interest rate environment? Using discount points to pay down temporarily or permanently that interest rate allows you to get into the market at a time where we're still expecting appreciation. It's going to differ by every market, but nationwide, I believe that our, our guidance is about three to 6% year over year. So the other thing in the equation is, is the amount of appreciation that you may be missing out upon by sitting on the sidelines and going, oh, the discount point situation sounds a little too complicated, or I don't want to ask for it, or I don't want to soften the strength of my offer, because what you may be leaving on the table is important appreciation, especially if you do a little improvement to the house. You could see your appreciation go up quite substantially, and then that may change the cost of those discount points as well. So those would be my comments. Perfect. Randy, what do you got for us? So very similar to what both of them said is I, I really believe that that right now we're in a unique situation uh, in that a lot of buyers are on the sidelines for different reasons. Maybe uh, maybe it's the golden handcuffs of being currently having a 2.25 rate or in, in, that you don't want to walk away from um, somewhere out of the on the sidelines because they're afraid of the high rates. Um, but but they have to remember, like like Tina's saying, that there's opportunities wherever you look for them. And one of the opportunities we have right now is the fact that most sellers are, their homes aren't flying off the off the shelves like they were before. And so they're leaning to be more willing to negotiate. And you can make that the best of both worlds and that there's less people competing with you and the seller's willing to, to negotiate to put you in a better position to buy than just the straight up, you know, higher rates. And, and that's where these discount points, I think, come into play. Um, and then the fact that sellers are willing to negotiate. I just counted the before we did this, the last 28 contracts that came in with, that came into me in the last few months, 24 of them had significant seller concessions. And so that's a huge, a huge thing that if you asked me that same question in 2020, 2021, it would have been exactly the opposite. And, and so all that to say, that the biggest thing I can leave you with is get the right team. And the right team is, is in my opinion, getting the best agent that you can have that truly understands the VA loan. And it was, is truly willing to go out and be, be a gangster and ask for stuff because I can guarantee you, I, I said four of those folks didn't come back with any concessions. Those four folks didn't have killers for, for agents. No doubt in my mind. Get the best people on your team. So I agree with the three of you so much that it's either next week or two weeks from tonight. We're going to be talking about who you work with matters, both on the real estate side, on the mortgage side. Hopefully you guys can see after seeing these three answer questions tonight, how important it is to have really good pros on both sides of the equation, but it's also important that they work together. Um, one of the weird or, or interesting things that I get is uh, I do a lot of business online. We do a lot of videos. So a lot of our clients come to us online and they've found a realtor in their local area. And they'll say, well, you'll, you'll talk to my realtor. You'll, you'll work with them. You go, absolutely. That's, that's how it works. If, if we are not a team with your real estate professional, it is going to hurt you. Once we've had the conversation and determined what is the best structure for your loan, 
the loan officer needs to be able to communicate that to your realtor. Say, here's what we need and why. Here's why it's important. They need to know that we will follow up with the listing agent when an offer goes out to answer questions, cross-sell your qualifications, go through it. So super important. We're going to have another set of pros, including some real estate experts on to explain how you can find those pros, how they should be working together to benefit you. So thank you to the three of you. Um, I think we had a really good discussion tonight. Went for a full hour here with some really good insights and thoughts. So again, uh, appreciate it. For those of you watching at home, come back next Tuesday. We'll have another set of pros. We'll have another good conversation. Thanks, guys.